Welcome to Hydrant Church Online. My name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here, and it really is an honor to worship with you. We have been in a series of messages called Elephant in the Room, and we're looking at the story of David and using it as kind of a a laboratory for understanding the way that our families work and to understand some of the, the common challenges and problems that we run into in our families that can become elephants in the room if we are not candid and courageous in dealing with them. It requires us to face the issues. You see, there's no such thing as a problem-free family. Just, it's just not possible. But we can have elephant-free families when we're willing to name the problems, when we're willing to face the problems, when we're willing to deal with and solve the problems in our families, then things can really change. We talked about from the very beginning of this series that we needed to be candid and courageous, that the only way that we eliminate the elephants in the room, the elephants that have taken up residence in our homes and in our families and in our relationships is to be candid and courageous. And then we, then we talked about the, the challenge to to create belonging in our homes, in our families, in our relationships, and that one of the biggest things that get in the way of belonging is belittling. Without belonging, we never really come to this place of self-esteem and and stepping into who God created us to be. We need our families as that safe place where we belong and connect and are, are able to understand who we are and be comfortable as who we are. And belittling is one of those things that has a tendency to to sneak into families and become this destructive force that that gets in the way of what's meant to be good. We talked about the challenge of parenting with high discipline and high affection and and learning to live within the the boundaries through self-discipline, that none of us are able to develop the kind of Uh, the kind of character, the kind of identity, or the kind of family that we really want unless we have self-discipline. Without self-discipline, we are on a pathway to self-destruction. And as parents, we have the responsibility to discipline our children as a way of teaching them self-discipline. If we're unwilling if we're unwilling to guide them, to correct, even to, to punish at times, then we are setting them up for great pain in the world because the world will spank them and it'll be much worse than anything we would do to help guide them on a right path. And then last week, uh, Pastor Miranda shared about walking on eggs and how the, the issues in our families, the, the unresolved anger or the temper or the sin that we're hiding creates this atmosphere where everyone is walking on eggshells. We don't know how to act around certain people. We tiptoe around mom or dad or certain issues, and it creates this unsettled place where we can't, we're using all of our energy to keep from setting someone off, and therefore we're not able to really be ourselves. We're not able to really contribute to the family. We're not able to really enjoy the family because we're walking on eggshells. Now today I want to wrap up this series of message messages with a challenge, with a, an invitation again to be candid 
and courageous to, to look at our own families and realize there's no mistake-free families and there's no problem-free families, but that our problems and our mistakes, they only become permanent when we're unwilling to change. Our problems are temporary if we are willing to change. We're all going to make lots of mistakes, but we make them permanent when we refuse to change. What if David, what if David had been willing to change sooner? Last week, as Pastor Miranda uh, talked with us, she shared the story of David and Bathsheba. She shared that he should have been out at battle. What if, what if he had had this moment where he realized, I made a mistake. I should be out at battle. And he had gone out to battle. He had fixed the problem. He made a change. Then all of this episode wouldn't have happened. Then there was another chance when he went out on the roof. My suspicion is this is not the first time that he had gone out on the roof to look at those bathing around the temple, around the, the palace. And as he was out there, what if as he, as he stepped out on that roof, he said, you know, I don't belong here. Shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be looking at this. I need to go back inside. And he turned around and went back inside. What if it was at that moment when he called Bathsheba to the palace and he realized as soon as he saw her, listen, this is not right. I need to stop. I need to fix this. And he had changed his course. The problem would have been temporary, but instead he created this problem that led to, to great pain in his life and in the lives of friends and people who were loyal to him and people who cared about him. Our sin is never just our sin. Our problem is never just our problem. Our mistake is never just our mistake. It always ripples out and affects those we care about. It really affects those who care about us. And so it's important that we learn to face our problems, to face our challenges, to get candid and courageous and be willing to actually change. That's actually David's biggest victory is when he was willing to identify the problem and fix the problem and change. Down the road, as we see Solomon, Solomon is visited uh, by the queen of Sheba. Now Solomon is now king, the son of David. And the queen of Sheba comes and she says, you are such a wise leader and such a wise man. You bless not only your family, but your entire nation with your wisdom. So somewhere along the way, we see something happen. And now David's son is blessing with wisdom. There's a story that kind of explains this in 1 Kings chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, use your phone, pause it, and look it up real quick. 1 Kings, it's in the Old Testament. If you start flipping from the beginning, you'll find it pretty quickly. 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 4. It's talking about Solomon. It says, The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. He was chasing after God. He was after God's heart. He wanted to know God and serve God and please God. And at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. 
And God asked, ask for whatever you want. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. You imagine it's kind of that genie in the bottle moment. We imagine just except instead of three wishes, it's one. God shows up and says, what do you want? What can I give you, Solomon? Can you imagine that? What if that happened to you? What, what, what happened if you were, you were dreaming, you had this moment and the Lord appeared to you and he says, listen, I'll give you whatever you want. Where is your mind going now? <laughs> what would it be? Would it be wealth? Would it be success? Would it be security? Would it be, be health? What would you ask for if you could ask for anything? In verse 6, we see Solomon's answer. He said, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued his great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and don't know how to carry out my duties. He was probably somewhere in his early 20s at this point as he became king. He says, I just, I don't know how to do this. Verse 8, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart. Give your servant wisdom to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. To distinguish between right and wrong. So he is able to ask for anything and he says to God, God, I want you to help me know the difference between right and wrong. Of all the things he could have asked for, all of the wealth, all of the victory as a king, all of the, the possessions, all of the achievements he could have asked for. He asked for the, the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. To be able to discern and identify lies, to identify what's real and what's true and what matters. It's almost hard to imagine. In that moment, what would you have asked for? Just a little side note, God already knows what you would ask for. In fact, you're asking for it with your actions every day. You're chasing it. What are you chasing after with your life? What are you chasing after with your hours? What are you investing time in? Is it success? Is it money? Is it, is it more stuff? Is it, a, is it achievement? Are you chasing after God? Are you chasing after your spouse? Are you chasing after the heart of your kids? What are you investing in? You see, Solomon was chasing after God. He wanted to know God's ways and to act in ways that would honor God and bless the people around him. He was already there sacrificing a thousand offerings. His desire was for God, and God gave him the desires of his heart and gave him wisdom. He just says, I, I don't want to be deceived, and I don't want to be tricked. He had watched the early years. He entered the stories of his father, his father when he was the king of Judah. And the times he had been lied to and chased after things that didn't matter. Times he had been tricked. And, and he realized that no amount of money and no amount of success can protect you from the lies of the enemy. Our, our enemy, our spiritual enemies 
singular goal is to get us to believe a lie. He's called the father of lies. His desire is that we would believe a lie, that something else would give us fulfillment, that something else would satisfy our hearts, that something else would make us feel good about ourselves, that something else would bring meaning into our lives and purpose into our lives. And he realizes that God is the only one that can do that, but that he is susceptible to being tricked and being lied to. And so his desire is to understand the difference between what's right and wrong, to discern wisdom. Nothing can undo a life that has been given over to lies. And his desire was for something more. But why? Why is such a young man? Did he have the ability and the knowledge and already enough wisdom to ask for wisdom? Why did this happen? Well, I think it's because we see a change in David. We've looked at David's stories and we've usually been pointing out some of his mistakes to understand our own mistakes. But I want to show you an area where he gets it right. We go to Proverbs. Proverbs. And in Proverbs chapter 4, we see something happen. You see, in the first six chapters of Proverbs, is Solomon kind of telling the story of his own childhood, his own life, his own home. And he's, and he's explaining something to his own children. In, verse, in chapter 4 of Proverbs, verse 1, Solomon writes this, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Verse 3, when I was a boy in my father's house, in, in David's house, still tender and only a child of my mother, he taught me. And he said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. So something happened. Something happened from the time of David, the young father in Judah, as, his, as we've heard the stories of the, the failure to discipline, the failure to, to call his son aside and say, what are you doing? There's something changed in David from that time to this time. As now he is raising his son Solomon, the, the second son of Bathsheba. And he is there with him as a young boy, teaching him, guiding him, showing him the way. Something changed in David as a man. Something changed in David as a father. Something changed in him that led to a change, not just for him, but for his son and for the entire people of Israel. David made mistakes. David made lots of mistakes, but David changed and it changed the future. The mistakes still were there. They still had to suffer some of the consequences of those, but the pain and the loss did not continue to accumulate because David was willing to change. The problem didn't become permanent because David 
was willing to change. He made actual changes. As we see in this story, even the, the failure, the mistakes of the affair and the, the, the murder and the things that came after, those pains weren't made permanent because David was willing to change. He actually changed and, and, and began to teach his son a different way. You see, David was not a man who sought wisdom as a young man. He didn't seek understanding. He didn't give whatever he had to get it. But he was able to teach Solomon to do so. Now, some of us, we look at our lives and we look at the mistakes we've made and the things that we've done. And we think, well, how can I tell my kids not to do it when I did it? Well, you can teach your kids not to make the mistakes you made, to learn from the mistakes you've made. We all make mistakes and we all have these things in our life that we're not necessarily proud of, but make use of them as opportunities to teach your children. You can say, listen, this is what I did and it didn't turn out well. It brought so much pain unnecessarily into my life and other people's lives. I want to protect you from that. Learn from my mistake. We can still teach even though we've made mistakes. In fact, it's probably one of our best teaching tools. My children know that years ago I went through a divorce, made mistakes in, in choices leading up to that marriage, and, and then had to go through this, this pain and this loss. And, and there are things that I've learned from it. And I've already begun to talk to my kids about the, the kinds of people they will date and the kinds of people they will marry and the kind of wisdom that they need and to watch out for things that I didn't see so that they don't have to go through the pain of what I went through. We use those mistakes. We change so that the pain doesn't become permanent and define us. We have to be willing, willing to share the wisdom of what we've learned. As we look at, at Solomon's words in Proverbs chapter 4, he says that he was instructed to give whatever it costs to gain understanding, and that's just what he did. He had that moment with God where he's willing to give him anything. He asked him, what do you want? And he sacrificed everything for discernment, for wisdom, and the ability to know right from wrong. And it's the same kind of instruction he gives us. Get wisdom. Align your life with the wisdom of God and let him begin to change you so that your life can change. As you look at the wisdom of God and the things that, the, that we learn in Scripture, what is it that needs to change in your life? Is there an area in your, in your life, your finances, your marriage, your parenting, your work, is there an area in your life that doesn't line up with the wisdom of God? Is it creating pain and a problem? Is it time to deal with it? To really change? Twelve Stone recorded the story of one man who shared about the change that he knew he needed to make. Take a minute and watch this short video. Sometimes it just feels like it's always one more thing, one more meeting, 
One more win at work. One more project. It's this feeling that one more thing is just beyond my grasp. Just around the corner. Is this how it's always going to be? One more hour. One more day. What if one more just isn't enough? What if this is my one chance and I'm messing it up? What if I really don't want any of this? God, I'm tired. What if... What if it really came down to one less? What's your daddy? Hey, son. Do you know where Daddy's shirts are? One shirt, Daddy. Look, son, I don't have time for this game. I need to know where Daddy's shirts are. Back two shirts, Daddy. One shirt, so we can play. You want Daddy to stay home and play in one shirt today, huh? Yes, Daddy. You're right, bud. What if it's really about one less? One less shirt. One shirt means the boy in me can play with the boy he is. One shirt means we can wrestle on the floor. One shirt means he can call my name and I'm there for him. One shirt means me and him. One shirt means time. Yeah, this is what I wanted. One shirt means love. This is a man who is willing to actually make a change. He took off his second shirt. He was a one-shirt daddy that day. Now, he still had to go to work. He still had to provide. There are things they need to do, but he realized something needed to change in his life, and he made the change. It's nice. It's nice to be inspired by these messages and the wisdom of these messages. It's nice to even be kind of entertained emotionally and and spiritually on Sunday morning or whenever you listen to them. But it does us zero good in life if we aren't willing to make real changes in life. We have to be willing to act on what we hear. And we have a God who is kind of a a one-shirt daddy for us. He's there for us. He's close to us. He's given us everything in spite of our failures, in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our sin. He says, come back and let me show you a better way. Let me show you the way and the truth and the life that you long for, that Jesus offers us this. But we've got to get candid and courageous with God. It was what David had to do. It's what Solomon had to do. It's what I have to do and what you have to do. And it's our choice It's my choice. 
Each of us have a choice to make. Will we get candid and courageous with God and allow him to deal with the sin and the brokenness and the mistakes and the failures in our lives so that he can set us on a new path, so he can show us the way of wisdom, he can show us the way of truth, he can show us the way of life that will make a difference for us and our families. Our families are not beyond change if we are willing to change. See, some of us, what we need most is to deal with an elephant that's standing between us and God. There are elephants in our relationship with God. And nothing is changing in our lives because we're living as if there is no elephant there and we just can't get around it. He's big and he's massive and he's right there between us and God. Maybe it's anger with God. Maybe you've been angry at God for something that happened to you. Something that didn't happen in your life. And you've been angry at God and you can't get past this anger. And you can't connect with Him. Maybe it's disappointment. There's been hurt and disappointment in your life and you're blaming God. And and as you look at Him, you just won't let yourself draw close because you're not willing to identify this elephant in the room. And we don't trust God. We don't trust Him to be who He says He is. We don't trust that He really cares about us. We don't trust that His love is for us. We're holding on to control. We're holding on to habits. We're just making excuses. All of these can be these elephants that stand between us and God. And before anything else changes, before we can deal with belittling, before we can deal with the way we parent, before we can deal with self-discipline, before we can get candid and courageous in any other relationship, we have got to get candid and courageous with God we got to get His wisdom and seek Him and allow Him to work in our lives. Maybe today what you need to do is just stop and identify. Name the elephant in the room of your relationship with God. What's standing between you and Him? What's in the way? Is it trust? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it disappointment? Are you holding on to control? Is it the uncertainty, the mystery of life? What's, what's keeping you from Him? What's keeping things from really changing in your life? Name it and get courageous with His help to do something about it. You see, we can't fix those things ourselves. We change not by our own strength, not by our own might, but by His strength and by His might in us. He says that when we come to Him and we seek His forgiveness and we invite Him into our lives, that He connects with us and He gives us His Holy Spirit. The same Spirit and power that raised Jesus from the dead, that heals the sick, that mends the broken, that has the power of life and death, is in us when we come to Jesus and He gives us His Spirit that gives us the ability to actually change. One little bit at a time, one habit at a time, one practice at a time, and He begins to change us. And we get wisdom and we align our lives with God's wisdom. That's it. Get candid and courageous with God. Allow Him to help you change as you get more and more of His wisdom. Seek wisdom. Give everything for wisdom. Align your life with the wisdom of God. This series of messages is is great. 
It's been entirely convicting to me personally to work through these and prepare these. It has been challenging for many of you as I've heard stories and and it's been inspiring for many of us to to begin to imagine what it could be like to have an elephant-free family. But it could just be another series that passes off onto the podcast. And we forget about it. And nothing changes. And our families stay the same. And the elephants keep ruining things and making messes and breaking things. Or, or we can begin to change. And get candid and courageous with God and the people we love. We can we can seek His wisdom and begin to align our lives with it. It all begins in that surrender to God. It all begins in naming the things that get between us and Him and allowing Him to work through those with us, to forgive us and to transform us and to give us new eyes, new hearts, and new families. Restoring what's been lost. Healing what's been broken. And transforming our families so radically, it's as if it's brand new. Let's pray. Father, I believe that you are inviting each of us to walk more closely with you. You're inviting us into a journey of trust. Inviting us to connect with you. To seek you and your wisdom. To seek your forgiveness and your grace. And to begin again. For all those out there who can who can recognize their mistakes and they feel the pain of them day in and day out, would they, God, hear your voice, remind them that the pain is not permanent unless we refuse to change? Would you give us the courage to act, to change the things we know to change and to trust you with the things that are out of our control? May we seek your wisdom with all of our hearts and may we daily be renewed in your strength to do the things that you ask us to do, to be who you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.